hey nick and mike and jeff anyone else listening um glad to have you back i'm kind of giving a little preamble to this episode and our next one because it's going to be a two-parter i had to uh you know cheat on josh once more uh but he says it's fine you know we can have an open podcast relationship i decided to call my friend alex who recently visited me in brooklyn and is a super interesting guy and i feel like we just have a lot to talk about hey rob uh it's josh uh your co-host on the show longtime host first time caller here um just wanted to kind of explain why you know I haven't been on the show and it's it's mainly because I realize right now we don't have a whole lot of listeners and I just felt like I might be more needed as a listener to the show you know what they always say like if you want something done right you got to do it yourself so I just figured you know I should somebody's got to listen to this stuff so um, I'm just listening to the show but uh, you're doing a great job with everybody everybody that you've had head on uh, they've been great, you know, with all the things you talked about and the the funny moments and the serious moments. And, and then that one moment, you know what I'm talking about? That was good. Uh, so keep it up, and hopefully I'll be able to join you on the show again soon. Um, that's it for now. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to hang up and, uh, and, and listen. Really, really do some solid listening. All right. Bye. We'll be back a few weeks after this one with a part two so we can bring in more of alex and there's lots more to talk about music and all kinds of cool stuff so without further ado today i'm talking with my good friend alex monroe and he's in chicago and i'm recording from brooklyn as always so hello alex you want to give a little intro for yourself hi yes i'm i'm alex monroe i'm a percussionist from chicago illinois and this is my first time on the podcast. I'm very excited. I have many things to complain about and plenty of uh, ways of getting off topic, which I think <laughs> is the, the goal right, for today. So uh, Rob and I met, uh, I think it was in 2007, at the Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp. Yeah. Which is, I'm sure you've probably talked about maybe on this podcast before. I don't remember. Maybe. Sometimes I mention things that happen at band camp it feels like we're at band camp right now with the distant kind of does yeah yeah oh that's my that's my fiance yeah she's uh she's teaching some lessons also over the internet so the internet is a magical thing yeah man 21st century (laughs) so we met at the blue lake fine arts camp in 2007 which is this really nerdy place that uh kids in school uh go and also people who wish they were still in school like rob and i yeah. uh so we went to camp and we we got to uh be a counselor to a number of middle schoolers and high schoolers for you did it for several seasons i only did it for one. Oh yeah but. yeah i came back like two yeah three times i think and it was great i mean <clears throat> i don't think i've talked about it that much so i'll go ahead and and give my perspective on that i um when I got there, I quickly realized that all of the camp counselors are music, um, like music major college students. And I was a college student studying Spanish. And so I was kind of the odd one out in that regard, but I felt like I quickly fit in because 
I've always been, you know, a big music nerd, classical music nerd, and, uh, and I play piano. And so that's kind of close to my heart. So I felt very similar to a lot of these people, but, uh, a lot of them were probably there to, you know, have something nice on their resume for when they get out of college or just to, you know, immerse themselves in more music on the day to day. It was just kind of like, keeping track of these kids, making sure they go to class and wake up on time and, and that kind of thing. But it was really great to just meet so many people like deep into the music world and have lots of late night conversations about it. <laughs> yeah, man, I can remember being, well, being out at the beach that was there for <laughs> many a night, but also just uh, yeah. in our unit getting to do those campfires at night. I look forward to that so much. Just chatting after everybody went to bed. Yeah, once you put the kids to bed, you can come out and hang out around the campfire. Good times. Yeah. So we hadn't, um, we, we, you know, we met and became friends at camp and then kind of like sporadically kept in touch afterwards. Yeah, I I think you're like the best friend I have that I rarely ever see. Huh. That, that's that's that a great be... way to put it, because I feel yeah. like, you know, so you came and stayed at my place, um, what was it, a few weeks ago now, or, or just a couple weeks, I guess, I lose track of time, but, um, yeah. and, you know, instantly caught back up, and the other time, you came to visit me in New York, like, years ago, after I'd moved here, and um, that was also, like, maybe a couple years gap since we had hung out previously, and uh Whenever we hang out, it just feels like there's no there's no friction, there's no barrier, just naturally like back to how we used to be. Yeah, I feel like I have very few friends in life, but all of my friends are like that. So I find it it's like fine with me that I don't have like I mean I have like probably like fifteen people that I would call like my real friends, yeah. you know, and all of them are like this, where it's just like you pick it up as soon as you're you can be out of touch for like two years, get back in touch. It's just like you saw each other yesterday, you know? Right. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So, so yeah, yeah, you, you also are, so you did this music thing. You got your degrees in music, uh, bachelor's and then a master's in percussion. Right. And, um, right. So what did you do with that? (laughs) Well, I mean, I make a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I make like no money, but, uh, but I have a lot of fun. So, yeah, I got my uh, master's degree at Northwestern, and that was back in 2012. I finished that, and I've just stayed in Chicago ever since. Uh, kind of went down the arts administration path of, like, working for bigger institutions and running their the business side of their organization or writing grants. Uh, but recently I've been feeling more like i got to get back to playing more. So this year I've kind of taken a bigger leap and – doing mostly teaching and performing and I have my own percussion group now called beyond this point. And we do, I always struggle with how to exactly explain this, uh, to someone who's never seen it, but it's a little bit like a blue man group, but not just like funny. It's uh, we kind of take on all kinds of serious topics and, uh, like uh, most of our collaborations have to do with a social justice issue or an environmental issue now. Mm-hmm. So, it's Blue like Man Group, what we do. You, you would probably find in a Las Vegas show. Uh, beyond this point would be more of a a thoughtful environment. Uh, 
yeah, or like a Chicago storefront theater. You know, it's uh, it's um. I don't know what that is. Well, well Chicago, sorry, <laughs> Chicago has a, a pretty storied tradition of theater, and most of it, most of the good stuff, really takes place in the storefront theaters, which are just these small, like, fifty to one hundred seat theaters mm. that could literally fit in a storefront uh, on the street, and oh, so. Um, it's kind of like a, an audacity to the way that theater came about because everyone was trying to make their mark in those theaters. And uh, we kind of, we have joined forces with a couple of those theaters to produce um, uh, like hybrid theater percussion performances. And we kind of, that was like part of our genesis. And now we're kind of moving into making our own shows yeah. And just incorporating, I mean, any any number of different mediums in order to to bring suck people in and immerse people in a uh, like a a full evening performance of percussion. So not like mm. a concert at all. Uh, it's more much more like seeing an opera where you just kind of like things flow from one to the next. There's no breaks. It's yeah. It's one show. Just to pause for a second because I have no idea. You know what our audience is like um i mean i know a couple of them as i mentioned at the beginning of the show but um when you say percussion you know oh yes a lot of people could just think drum kit or whatever so maybe um give an example or just kind of like highlight what would that what would the setup look like what would it sound like sure so drum kit is definitely a part of percussion um as are like you know the normal things you might see in like an orchestra like a snare drum which is a smaller drum that's got some metal uh, wires running on one side, so it makes like a really uh, kind of guttural but high-pitched sound. It gets the rat-a-tat-tat mm -hmm. sound, if you think of that, that's the snare drum. Uh, and then a bass drum, I think most people know a bass drum, it's just a much larger drum that makes a really low sound. Uh, and crash cymbals and all the other kinds of cymbals. And then also um, there's a number of mallet percussion instruments, which are kind of like bells, like a... Uh, or a xylophone, or larger versions of those are the vibraphone and marimba. And then there's like a whole lot of found percussion. And when I say found percussion, I mean like literally anything can be a percussion instrument. So we do a lot of, a big part of our job is just going around and finding brake drums uh, from cars, or this like big hunk of metal that sounds really great when you hit it. Yeah. Or last year I played a show where... I, it was supposed to be for bass drum, but we were trying to make a much more theatrical moving experience out of it. So I took this enormous tractor tire. It was probably <laughs> five feet tall and I hit it with a eight pound sledgehammer and it made this huge sound and, and it, it took this huge movement to create the sound, uh, which is really like, it was ideal for the theatrical uh, nature of the performance. So, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of one end of the percussion spectrum, and then the xylophone and, and snare drum and other stuff is kind of the other end, a more, much more traditional uh, performance. So we kind of do all of that, uh, but we find the physicality is really nice for bringing people in and immersing them in the show. Yeah, yeah. Do you, um, <clears throat> do you have any, like, uh, audio examples of a uh, founder, kind of like a constructed instrument that you've been using or...? something that has a unique sound? Um, I do have some things I could give you. Sure. Um, actually, the, I'm going to give you one excerpt of a piece that we do called Threads. And as part of one of our shows, uh, we did a project called the Nature Human Project. 
And that show is all about getting people to examine their own relationship with the environment. Hmm. And that show uses a lot of found instruments. Uh, so like glass bottles, uh, metal pipes that have been cut to certain lengths to make certain pitches. So you can play melodies uh-huh. on these metal pipes. Um, what other things? Flower pots. So all of these things are part of this performance. And overlaid on top of that is uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, narration, I guess, of Alan Watts. So it's some of yeah. his lectures we've cut up and placed on top. So it really kind of curates uh, the right kind of feeling to be examining your soul. And Alan Watts, for those of you who don't know, is a, uh, a philosopher who is considered one of the foremost philosopher, uh, interpreters of Eastern philosophy for the West. Yeah. So Buddhism, Zen, he's credited with bringing a lot of that um, in, in a mainstream way to the West. I believe that if we are honest with ourselves, that the most fascinating problem in the world is who am I? What do you mean? What do you feel when you say the word I? I don't think there can be any more fascinating preoccupation than that. Because it's so mysterious, it's so elusive. ourselves as isolated centers of awareness and action, placed in a world that is not us, that is foreign, alien, other, which we confront. exist only inside our skins. It's just as nutty as anybody could be, like a fruitcake, you know, who thinks he's Napoleon or something or other. Who thinks he's a poached egg and goes around finding a piece of toast to sit on. You are something the whole universe is doing in the same way that a wave is something that the whole ocean is doing.
Yeah, I just love his voice, which I think is why he's so, you know, readily used in those types of performances. Or uh, we found we even found this video game when you were hanging out. Um, I forgot what yeah. it was called. Every, everything. Everything. It's everything. <clears throat> and this video game. Um, I mean, you'll have to look it up. I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, I can also maybe include a audio clip from their trailer of uh, yeah, it's just. Alan Watts talking about kind of the universality of things, how everything is connected. When you came into this world, there gradually arose into being the sensation of I. And you feel that you are I just as much as I feel that I am I. But all the time, everywhere, there are other eyes starting up, whether they be human, animal, anything you like. They be in other galaxies, etc. Always, they're starting up. And so the feeling that we call I is how everything feels on the inside. So I think, uh, yeah, when a lot of people think of the language of kind of hippie language of Eastern thought brought to the West, most of that probably came through Alan Watts. Yeah, and there certainly were people who brought it before Alan Watts, but uh, because of his sort of rising to prominence during uh, the television era, it uh, certainly expanded a lot on what right, already been right. brought. Like D.T. Suzuki was one of uh, his predecessors who brought mm-hmm. a lot of Zen to the West, but because and, uh, he came around in like the 60s, it was yeah. like a really, a really big time. And you've yeah. got uh, Jack Cornfield who brought Buddhism. Uh, I think he, was it uh, the Thai... Thai forest Buddhism or some type of Theravada Buddhism, I think. Um, yeah, I've, I've read some stuff by him, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. I have a Zen calendar and he comes up pretty often. Oh yeah. So <laughs> like a day, a day to day calendar. So it's really awesome. So anyway, I mean, this isn't like, as you've probably heard, uh, if you listen to some other episodes, this is a pretty casual podcast, so it's not like uh, an interview show where I just like question you about everything. But I did want to give people, a, you know, a kind of some background and a look into the stuff that you're into. And, you know, if there's anything else that you particularly want to share, feel free. Um, but uh, I uh, and I know that you said you had some things to complain about, but um, I was oh, yeah. also curious if you uh, have you checked out the the book that you brought back with you? Oh, the, uh, about uh, it's what the Buddha. Taught. Yeah, what the Buddha taught. Yeah, because you're just talking about Buddhism. I have to say that I have not started that book yet. Oh, that's that's fine. mostly because I'm trying to finish another one. Yeah. Uh, but it was yeah, it was really great when we got together uh, a couple weeks ago because I kind of forgot that you were also into Buddhism, and it's something that I've kind of found over the past couple of years. And, you know, not that I'm necessarily studying Buddhism specifically, but uh, especially Zen. I mean, that the idea of Zen is something that's I've long, well, I guess long, three or four years, have been really interested in through Alan Watts primarily. And so when I found that out, it was kind of like towards the end of the trip that we started talking about it. And it was really kind of a, a bummer we didn't get to talk about it more. So this is great. We kind of have yeah, this yeah. podcast to talk about yeah. it some more. Um but I kind of credit uh, especially Alan Watts, but then also many of the, the Zen Cohens and other uh, just bits of wisdom that I've picked up uh, that are tangentially related to Buddhism 
it's really, I really credit that with completely changing the way I view myself in the world, which yeah, has yeah. been like awesome. And it's, it's actually completely flipped my political views. It's done a lot of things to me, which I did not anticipate. Really? Um, <clears throat> I haven't yeah, heard of yeah. many people who would attest or admit, you know, to something influencing something like their political views. When, when, when I found, just, you know, from my experience with Buddhism, I found it more in college. This professor gave me that actual book, and as I was reading it, kind of on the campus bus going from building to building, it was more like um, putting words and, like, a nomenclature. So here's this, like, new vocabulary vocabulary of, like, italicized Sanskrit words, like dukkha and nirvana and all this stuff, to a lot of ways that I had looked at the world already, or I had, you know, obviously I hadn't thought of something like Nirvana before or reincarnation, but those were sort of like backstory elements to set up this theory uh, or philosophy of life that seemed to be very congruent with the way I was already seeing and thinking of things. And at the time I was also kind of confused I wouldn't say I was conflicted anymore because I was pretty just staunchly like, oh, I'm an atheist. But as a teenager, I definitely felt conflicted, you know, being raised by parents that take you to church just as a matter of fact and um, feeling like this, for whatever reason, just doesn't click with me. Like, I I, I see everyone else seems to be into this. That's cool. But I, I felt kind of like an imposter sitting in, in the pew and you know, standing and singing or sitting down and like doing this stuff and like, okay, I guess I'll do it as just a fact of life, but not really getting absorbed into it. And every page that I read in that book, I was just absorbed um, because it felt like it um, matched up perfectly with how I already felt. So anyway, that I think that's kind of surprising or interesting that you said it kind of shifted a way that you thought of things. Yeah, totally. Well, I kind of had like the head exploding moment of hearing, you know, I guess Alan Watts say things like um, that the world, you know, the world is an organism just like any organism that makes up a, a cell in your body. And, you know, or you can consider like a tree, right? And certain trees, they, they have apples or they have pears, right? And so you see a tree and maybe it's winter time and there's nothing on it. And then the spring comes and then suddenly it's appled, right? And it's like, and he equates that to the world saying that like, well, you know, you're a product of this world. And so this world happens to people, but you don't consider the apple is not part of the tree when it's on the tree. It's like part of the tree huh. and it needs the tree. Right? And so when I started to consider myself in that way that like, well, this earth actually made me. So probably like I need to think about my relationship back to it. Um, huh. That was a big way. It was like a head exploding moment, especially with environmental issues of being like, oh, okay, I really need like this, like the way I've thought about it was just mostly apathetic. And mm -hmm. this completely shifted the way I thought about it. And of course, then when you go down that road, you start to think about um, kind of everyone being part of the same plant, then the same organism. Yeah. And when you start to think that way, it's really hard. Uh, it was really hard for me to reconcile some of my more conservative upbringing mm -hmm. with that way of thinking, you know. Um, 
so it's it was kind of a slower shift, but it has over over a few years really changed most of my <laughs> views on how the world how we should all be working together uh, in the world. So, yeah, that's interesting. The the whole interconnectedness of everything. I I find that it's like, and I used this example when when we were talking about it uh, when you visited last time, but uh, the a lot of the Buddhist ideas, or I guess just any type of mind changing idea for me is also kind of like going to the gym and having some sort of physical regimen where, um, you can kind of think about it in the abstract, but it really doesn't, for me, at least it doesn't leave a a daily mark or a shape in my thought pattern unless I'm doing it regularly. And I remember, um, there's this meditation center in Manhattan that I went to every Tuesday night for, you know, weekly for, um, several months in a row. And I got to the, a point where I was just very chilled out. I mean, I'm generally chilled out, but I'm also, <laughs> I get, um, I feel like I can get easily triggered or stressed out about stuff, mostly at work. And I definitely felt calmer overall doing that frequently. Now I still identify as Buddhist because I have all this knowledge about Buddhism in my head, but my, my headspace isn't there on a regular basis anymore, which I need to work on. I think that meditation, some people think of meditation as that is all that Buddhism is. And, um, really that's one component. They talk about like right wisdom, right concentration, right speech, and these are all these different pieces along the eightfold path and uh, not that this podcast has to turn into like an intro to Buddhism, but, but right. the point that I'm getting at is like sitting down and meditating is great. And that can bring that kind of evenness, that sort of, um, center level. You're not necessarily happy all the time, but you're less likely to also be, you know, sad more often, but that's just one component to it. And, you know, listening to these, you know, talks about Buddhism on different topics can help also shape your way of how you're interconnected with everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with what you said about meditation, that it's, uh, uh, it's, it's a great way to get outside of yourself. It's so, it's like anyone could probably say that it's really easy when you like look at someone else and their problems to understand like, what should they do? to get better, right? Like yeah. you can see maybe a person who's struggling with, um, could just be with mobility, with their ability to get around, right? And what they need is to do some like physical therapy or something like that. You can like see that like, oh, they're not moving very much. So they're getting older, getting stiffer. They're, and what they need to do is just move every day. But when you're on the inside of that, it's like much, much more difficult to see it in such black and white terms, right? Because you're bringing everything else with you. And what meditation does is clears out that everything and allows you to kind of see yourself from outside of yourself yeah so you meditate okay. I do meditate yes uh, I've meditated daily for I guess about seven months wow. now, which is 
pretty cool. Uh, you know, between five and 20 minutes a day. Yeah. Um, and it's been really hard these past couple weeks because we've just got a new puppy. And oh, it's yeah. Like, it's kind of been like stumbling into bed and be like, oh, yeah, I got to meditate. And then like five doing five minutes, you know, uh, <laughs> before I go to bed. Yeah. But any amount helps. And, and I think that a part of that is not necessarily I'm getting excellent meditation time in, but I'm not letting the habit die yeah, yeah you know so like I, even if i'm just doing like three minutes uh in the i use the headspace app which i found very useful yeah. to guide me and to let me keep this habit building going on um even if i just do that i try to keep doing it so that it's a it becomes a thing that like i can't go to bed that day without thinking like i didn't meditate today you know like, and i need to do yeah. it that's the goal for me right now okay you've inspired me i'm trying to do it every day for a year um and then maybe I then at that point get rid of the app and kind of just go on my own. But the app helps me to do the habit form. So yeah. So I'm curious the with the app because um, I I used it for a little bit just to check it out and it has beautiful design. So as a someone who designs apps, I really I love Headspace and I think that it's kind of like a great gateway for people to you know try meditation and see what it's like but um and maybe this is just i'm biased because of how i came into it i came into it with this philosophy teacher i don't remember how anymore but um got to talking with the professor after class and she was, gave me that book and um what the buddha taught and started talking about buddhism a lot she she specializes in that that's her like branch of philosophy um but anyway i told her that I was kind of curious about this meditation thing and how do I get started? And she said, Oh, just come over to my office and, and we'll start it. And so I brought her, uh, or I brought my, my friend Nick and I brought my ex-girlfriend at the time and we all sat, we just started with five minutes in silence. And Wait, was she your ex-girlfriend at the time or was she your girlfriend at the time? And now is your ex-girlfriend? <laughs> uh, well, she, she was, yeah, she was my girlfriend at that time. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, sorry to so, interrupt. So yeah, we were um, in the way. So the way it was introduced to me is, she kind of gives a preamble in the terms of like how to sit and your posture. Like, okay, you can sit on the floor or you can sit in a chair. Just try to have like a loose posture and sit up straight, so you're not feeling sleepy. And you can even leave your eyes open if you want. A lot of people think you have to close your eyes. That's optional. In fact, in Zen meditation. Um, a lot of people will line up and face a wall and stare at a, like a brick wall for the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not necessarily that your eyes have to be closed. So she would kind of give us that preamble of what to do. But then once it was time to start, it was just silent for five minutes. And then after five minutes, she would, you know, ding a, a gentle little Tibetan bell. And we'd wake up and feel refreshed or whatever. Uh, not wake up, but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. come back to but our awareness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, a lot of it was just falling asleep at first because, God, so many of us are sleep deprived. I definitely am. And uh, and so sometimes your body just takes advantage of that, which is also okay if you fall asleep. I mean, there's no rules. But um, hopefully you get to a point where you've got healthy amount of sleep and you can sit there and just kind of be aware of the random background noise that's going on my point is uh that that's how i started out with it was just like silence and we worked ourselves up 
again, kind of like physical exercise, starting with five minutes, 15, 20, and you know, we built up to doing one hour meditations, um, sitting together at college. And, uh, so when I find these apps like Headspace, I think it's, it's great, but, um, it's great for like introducing it to people, but it annoyed me because it's like too much talking. <laughs> like, yeah. like quit telling me what to think about, or you know, I don't want that <laughs> background music bullshit. I just, I just literally need to sit in silence for X number of minutes, and then you need to ring a bell when it, when my minutes are up, and that's it. <laughs> right. I should say that Headspace is less a meditation app and more of a brain training app. So it's it's a mindfulness app. Oh yeah. It's that's designed fair. to help you train your mind. Meditation has been shown to reduce stress, to improve focus, and create the right conditions for healthy, restful sleep. Headspace is guided meditation for everybody, no matter who you are or what you do. Whether you're just starting meditating or whether you've been doing it for years, we can help you to train your mind for a healthier, happier life. To get started, visit headspace.com or download our app. Once you're all signed up, Choose a topic you'd like to focus on. Let's see, sleep or maybe self-esteem? And we'll suggest the right exercises for you to try. If you enjoy them and want to learn more, then it's time to subscribe. When you do, you'll get access to hundreds of guided meditations from the Headspace Library. There are bite-sized mini meditations for when you're short on time. Exercises to add mindfulness to everyday tasks, like commuting or running and packs to help you with everything from relationships to sport or even sleep. With dozens of packs to choose from, Headspace is your personal meditation guide to just about everything. And in fact, some of the courses as, you know, so it's structured and there's everyday meditations in which there's a lot of narration, there's a lot of talking. And then there are packs, I think they call them, where you can do like a, a 15 uh, meditation pack that's like creativity. Okay. And at the beginning, it's training you how to do a meditation that um, unlocks your creative potential. And as you go along, so you get to around to like number eight or nine, the mm -hmm. prompts start to go away by a lot. And at some point, you're doing the meditation, and he may be over the course of like 20 minutes, will talk like five times. Yeah. Which is not that many. And so it does kind of thin out, but a lot of it is made for training you to be mindful, to get the pattern of a good rhythm of meditation down, uh, which is usually goes something like starting with deep breaths um, and focusing on some point with your eyes open, closing the eyes, doing a body scan where you, yeah. you try to just uh, feel I, how I think. I think everyone thinks of it a little differently, but how I think of it is trying to feel every part of your body from the top down to the bottom. Yeah. Like so trying to get in touch with the scent, the nerves and senses that are happening to your body all the way from the top to the bottom. So I have an interesting anecdote to just to interrupt for a second about the body scan where on, on one level, the body scan is like, <clears throat> I first heard about it as relax, like think of each muscle, like, okay, the top of your head now, like not that you can really control it, but imagine relaxing the top of your head. But then like, for example, your cheeks. They say, relax your cheeks. And then I'll realize, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I actually even had muscles going on in my cheeks. And that is something to relax. And you go on muscle by muscle down to your toes. There's this really cool meditation that I did in college with, with our teacher. 
um, where it was like a body scan, but it was a, um, so you know how you always see your existence through your eyes? Well, literally vision. Um, but we have a lot of our sensors up in our head. You've got your nose, your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. They're all happening up here at top. So it makes sense and we can't help, but imagine that we are our head. Right. But there's this meditation where we tried to shift that, like, okay, close your eyes and imagine that you are like looking out through your chest and then make your way down until eventually you are like looking out of your toes, like up at you or looking around the room from the point of view of your toes. That was super cool. Changing your perspective through other parts of the body, which I mean, yeah. they're just as valid as your head uh, in terms of you. They're all you. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was a stepping stone to being connected. But anyway, sorry to oh, off topic, okay. but <laughs> that, that kind of triggered that, that one memory of that was a super cool meditation. I haven't been able to do that since. Like it, I felt like it required a lot of uh, concentration and imagination, but conceptually, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Alan Watts talks about that as well, where he, he says that if you ask a Western person to point to where they believe that their like soul is or their consciousness, that they'll point to their head every yeah. time. And then a person from the East will point to like their solar plexus. Oh, yeah. Of as, being, as being, that's where I am, where I exist. And so it's a really interesting. He kind of sets that up as the dichotomy in philosophies. So we were talking about the process of meditation, I think, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did the, we did the head, body scan. Headspace and, and what Headspace yeah. does for you. <laughs> right, we did the body scan. And then after that, you do some sort of exercise based on what you're trying to achieve in the meditation. Or, I mean, achieving something in meditation is kind of a, a funny way of putting it because you're really not trying to do anything. But you might have an intent. Like, why are you coming to meditate? Right. And um, the most common one, the most basic one, I would say, is just following the breath. So you can maybe count your breaths in and out, counting to 10 and starting over, or there's many ways to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, another way, thing you can do is uh, visualization. So you might visualize that there's like a tiny spark in the center of your body, and that spark continues to grow and grow and grow until it's as big as the room, and then as big as your city, and then as big as the planet. And wow. you're just imagining it continuously going out and out. That's cool. Um, and there are many visualizations sort of like this uh, that uh, are taught in the Headspace app. I don't really know if they're taught like in general Zen uh, practice, but... Uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll learn a little bit about this and what the Buddha taught. Maybe yeah, that'll yeah. be something <laughs> for me to check out. But there, yeah, there's different flavors and they come from the different branches of Buddhism. The one that I started out with was Insight and that's Theravada. So I guess I kind of identify more with that one, but I think they're all pretty cool. And like what you're describing with Headspace sounds really interesting because you can, you know, put your head into a different space right. <laughs> and shift but the way also, you view things. Right. What I also like about, I mean, it's a very accessible um, way into meditation because it not only focuses on like sitting down in a quiet space and, and taking 20 minutes, which for some people can be daunting. And I'll tell you, I mean, the first time you meditate, it is, it feels like 
the first time you exercise in a long time. It yeah. feels like this is hard work, you know? Yeah, you're this like, ah, oh, really my tough. back is sore. Yeah. I can't concentrate. <laughs> yeah, because your brain's so used to just operating at hyperspeed and it doesn't like being slowed down in this way or, or examined in this way. And so yeah. it really takes some training. But what I like about the Headspace app is that it doesn't just focus on that sitting um that kind of meditation where you're sitting, but also mindfulness. So you can do um, a commuting one. So you can be on the train hmm. and it'll, there'll be like a 10 minute way of it just it encourages you to listen to certain things or to embrace the smells, right? Because a lot of times we get like agitated by things we either see or hear or smell on yeah. the train, right? On, like, on the MTA or on the CTA here in Chicago. And it says, if you just consider those things, objectively as opposed to subjectively so hmm. instead of letting all like how you want the world to be influence how you're currently living you just say well this is what it is like oh that's an interesting smell or like that noise is like what what about that is cool or what about that's nice as opposed to just like saying like i'm i don't want to hear that person's music you know just like if you right. focus on it suddenly it's not a, a, a bother anymore yeah, because what else are you focusing on? You know, like that's right. And, what it is. and and um, in Buddhism, the this concept of pretty much any unhappiness can be rooted in clinging. There's a lot of different translations from the Buddha, but I think one of the best ones is clinging. Um, another one is thirst. Um, thirst can kind of project sort of an anticipation of how you want things to be. I think clinging is good because it. It talks about the current moment, but also the future. So, you know, even something as basic as you're standing on the train and you smell something bad, your mind going off on this frustration or being upset about how bad it smells is, in a way, clinging to an expectation or assumption that it should not smell that way. Right. Or a clinging of, of good smells. Um, or when you're even people who are meditating, I see a lot of people who get frustrated when there's like traffic or noise outside. Yeah. <laughs> They're clinging to the idea the of point. silence. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and then also, you know, if you, so those are examples of the present moment in terms of the clinging to the future moment, we can't help but create expectations of how things are going to go. Like maybe I expected we're going to sit down and record this podcast you're this big time musician, so you've got some top quality microphones, right? And, <laughs> and then, and then you know, we're troubleshooting before we start recording here because uh, the the one you have isn't working out, and you got to use the the laptop, and you know, so someone could get upset or disappointed or angry because they're clinging to that idea that they had of how something was going to happen. But, you know, it is what it is. Right. Well, I mean, I learned, like, really quickly, it's, it's such a nicer way to go through life. Just taking everything that happens as, like, okay. Like, what, you know, this is, life is unfolding as I'm here witnessing it. Yeah. So I don't know why I'm expecting anything different. This is just, like, this is the challenge that I'm facing now. Yeah. So there it is. It's a challenge. Like, I, I, if I never had any of these challenges, what would my life be like? It would right. be awful and predictable you know like so and of course we all feel like anger or fear or frustration or any number of different emotions but the the nice thing about mindfulness is that it, it allows you to 
bear witness to yourself experiencing an emotion. Yeah. So like, of course, somebody cuts me off in traffic, I get angry. But but then but now now I'm very good at immediately realizing that I just got angry. And right. Then, and then letting that that sensation go away. Exactly. And that's what's made life better. You don't hold on to anything like that anymore. I think that that's one of the main things I pick up from the books by Pima Children. I was telling you about her um, came into Buddhism because she had so much anger she was holding on to with her ex-husband and all that. And um, she, I mean, a lot of teachers explain this, but she was the first one that I heard explain it of how, yeah, you feel this like intense emotion and then you note, hey, I'm feeling this emotion. And that's not, that's not a magic pill to make it go away. You might still continue to be angry about being stuck in traffic. But as a practice, you know, like we said, you kind of have to do it frequently. The more you do that, A, you start to catch it faster. So you might notice that the split second, you know, your stomach clenches up, your muscles in your chest are tighter. And then you're, and that's a cue to, oh, I'm getting angry. And B, the faster you recognize it, the faster it goes away. Uh, so it's not necessarily a cure. There's no Buddhist person out there who gets to a certain skill level where they're just never angry. But they, everyone, every human, I think, experiences human emotions. But um, at least for me, it's a certain toolkit that lets you not be governed by those mo- emotions or, or taken right. over by those emotions. Yeah, having the realization that you're, you have you also have mental health the same way you have physical health and that in physical health right you might consider like energy as a currency like how much energy do I have in the day to get through it when I before I get exhausted and the same thing is true with mental energy and so if you're spending mental energy constantly in loops right being angry sitting in traffic for instance but that's a finite resource and you're going to run out of it. You're going to become exhausted from that. So you can decide to just not, You everyone has the power within them to just decide to not be whatever emotion they're feeling at any time. You can be really sad and you can decide to not feel sad. And how you decide that is by accepting the moment as it is. It's yeah. not saying that you can't be sad ever, but you can decide to be sad now and not be sad the next moment. Well, to f- I would I would like to... I sure. have a feeling some people might jump down your throat and say... I think so. God probably. damn it, Alex. I can't decide to not be sad. I'm, you know, fucking depressed. Well, and I'm not I, saying it's I think easy. that happens. Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah. it's not... I think the caveat is that this is not easy, nor is it a certain thing that you can just tell yourself these magic words and it goes away. But like exercise it's a thing that you can condition yourself to be to still feel sadness but not necessarily overwhelmed or um overburdened by it right right just wanted this to is, throw that, that of course <laughs> of course and this is to say you know this is speaking not at all to anything like clinical depression which is a con- you know it's a it's a condition that needs to be treated it's not something that you're going to work yourself out of just like if i you know if i broke my hip i can't just like decide i'm gonna fix that myself like <laughs> you know i need i need a professional to help right i mean and that's like I, I don't mean to to make uh that connection but it's only to say that meditation can help you 
get outside of yourself to see what you need actually to do yeah to to improve anything and it could be any number of uh things about your life you want to improve being able to see yourself objectively is in my opinion like the the best way you can possibly move ahead in your life definitely I've never, uh, well, at least on this podcast, held a single topic for this long. I'm. I know. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I would like to to also invite anyone who's listening right now, <clears throat> wherever you are, let us know if this is something that's interesting, because um, you know, something Josh and I, I think, where we just recorded this because we wanted, you know. A, to have some sort of mechanism to just stay in touch. We, uh, you know, my my friend and I text a lot, but having this kind of like video chat or a voice chat once in a while is, is, is a good way to reconnect and, and hang out. And that's why it's a hangout podcast. So, um, but we went into it without any goals or expectations. And this for me is a really interesting topic. Definitely is for you too. Um, so anyone who's listening, if this is, I don't know, something that you want to hear more about or know more about, we can definitely do more of this, uh, in the future. Um, I, I, I feel like I could talk forever about this. So I'm just, I'm just inviting right. the, the, you know, unknown listener to like send us a tweet or join our telegram chat. Like we talked about in our last episode, um, all you have to do is install the app and, you can, you know, click the link on our site to jump in there. Um, so yeah, that's my little PSA. <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to hear more of two guys who don't know that much about Zen and Buddhism, talk about <laughs> Zen and Buddhism, <laughs> you should let us know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think there is a value of, you know, we don't have to be experts, but if we are the moderate, you know, skill level, right. we might be the best person or the best conversation to introduce it to someone who has zero experience and you know if you know more than us then you feel free to tell us to fuck off and why we're wrong that's what the internet and comment forums are for <laughs> yeah yeah we could save a lot of time just by like if the first comment on every youtube video should just be fuck off and then like, <laughs> you would just you could just stop reading there like you're gonna get to that eventually anyway and you're gonna get frustrated and just leave so yeah just put it first every time <laughs> yeah exactly uh, uh so you you said that you were you had a lot of stuff that you were angry about oh oh yes uh you know after all this talk about zen it's now time <laughs> to talk about anger uh human emotions <laughs> i I shouldn't say I don't understand why, but there are a lot of people that I encounter in my day-to-day -day life that I don't really understand how they got into the position they are in <laughs> to do what they are doing. And I don't want this to seem like I'm picking on anyone, but uh, I, got, I recently became very frustrated. I was dealing with my car, right? Something that pretty frequently causes frustration, I uh -huh. think, to people. Um, and I really needed to have my oil changed and it's really cold and I don't really want to change my own oil in like the 10 degree temperatures that Chicago's currently having. Right. 
And so I kind of have a busy schedule where I travel around a lot. So I was away near one of my schools and I had a couple extra hours. I thought I'm going to go get my oil changed. And the place I could do it was Walmart. (laughs) So I went to Walmart. I didn't even know Walmart had auto services. They do have auto services and they're, you know, an oil change is a pretty simple task actually. So I don't like to pay a lot for it because it's like, okay, anybody could change oil. And so I don't really care if they're like a super expert. So I took my car to a Walmart and I sat, uh, I was like second in line or something to have my oil change. So I sat around for about 20 minutes and then the guy comes back to me who I gave my keys and set up the oil change and said that they couldn't get, you know, this part of the car off, it's just the drain plug. It's where all your oil sits, and then you take off the drain plug, all the oil comes out. They couldn't do the key part of they, the oil they, chain. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't do the part where they changed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he said it was it was completely stripped. That 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 plug was stripped. They couldn't get it off. So I'm thinking, oh no, what happened? Did something hit the underside of my car? I was the last person to change my oil, and I don't remember any problems with it. So I'm kind of like panicking. My car really needs an oil change. It's a little overdue for service. So then I go to figure this out myself. You know, I go to AutoZone to get a new drain plug. And here's the thing that maybe you can help me with, Rob, because you do user experience. Okay. On the AutoZone website, you can find very specific products and you can tell it what store you're going to go to or what store is near you. And it tells you whether or not that product is in stock in that store. It's a yeah. pretty common feature, I think, okay. for a lot of retail outlets like now. Best right? Buy and yeah, Kohl's, yeah, yeah, shopping places, yeah, very common. Um, so there are a number of drain plugs available for my vehicle at a number of stores near me. However, every one I went to, I went to three. None of them had the parts that they said they had on their website. So online, it was like available at this location. Yes in stock at this location and then and every person i talk to at these auto zones says oh yeah this happens all the time there are this people come in all the time and say well it said online that you had this in stock and we don't have it and i i was just thinking like this is this like never getting past these people at the the that are checking me out at AutoZone? does it never get like higher than them so no one just ever knows that it's a problem or do people just like Hopefully. walk out of AutoZone pissed off <laughs> and then nothing ever happens again because they're more focused on getting their car fixed than complaining I, to I AutoZone think, corporate. I think it's, yeah, that's it is uh, no one complains to corporate or, um, you know, after you walk out of there or maybe you do eventually find your part, do you ever go back to the website? I see at the bottom you can uh, hit contact us. Yeah, but Rob, I'm trying to fix my car. I'm not trying to fix the internet, you know? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. I think, so yeah. the short answer is some, their databases are not communicating. Their stock level, you know, if they deduct item, you know, X from their inventory, that should be reflected online. Clearly that is not being reflected. Or maybe like they do this, like a batch process where like at the end of the day, they'll just update everything like once. So it's not live. And maybe like a day or two ago they had it. And so the website yeah. just isn't updated. I don't know. That's not so much user experience. Uh, it's a shitty experience, but it's more like yeah. a, a programming problem of someone 
either hasn't connected this data correctly or just someone at the store isn't doing their job. Maybe they have to like hit sync or something at the end of their shift <laughs> and they didn't synchronize it. <laughs> yeah. So my other complaint about that was that at none of the stores I went to, did any of the clerks know what I meant when I said an oil drain plug. That's and these so are basic. people who are auto. Yeah. They're like, well, they're, you know, I know they're not experts. But AutoZone would probably claim in their advertising that you can go to an AutoZone store and speak to an expert. Right. And I thought, you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say an oil drain plug. Uh, so they couldn't even, like, go look. They had to trust their systems. I was like, well, can you just, like, check? If you, and they're like, well, I don't even know what that is. Oh Great. My God. So that's frustration, like, number two. So then I finally just decided, okay, well, I'm going to see how badly stripped this is. and Because we were expecting we are going to have to drill through it, pull it out, and then put a new plug in. So like, wait, because it wouldn't be after Walmart, you yeah. went straight to AutoZone, or did you no, go no, home? No. Did you try it yourself? I had, no, I had to wait. So I only had a couple hours. So I was at Walmart. It wasn't gonna work. So I was like, okay, I gotta table this until the weekend. By the way, Walmart um, doesn't sell a, a plug. No, <laughs> they do. They do like oil changes, but they don't sell that many auto parts. Okay, either. okay. Um, so I didn't expect them to have it, but AutoZone, I did. Especially because it said they had it on their website. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, I decide. Okay, I'm gonna see how badly stripped this is, and if I can get it off myself, I'm you know I'm gonna change my oil because it really needs to be changed. So I go to my friend's house, who's got a garage and some tools, and we jacked it up today, and I put the correct tool in, turn it to the left, not a single problem. Came off without what? an issue. I spent probably four to five hours trying to like between going to try to get the oil change and them telling me it was stripped and they couldn't get it off and then going to AutoZone to try to find this drain plug. Why? I spent, and then I go and jack it up and there's no problem with it. What? And I was like, what is going on in the world? Who, who put oh these God. people there just to thwart Please me? tell me you <laughs> drove it back to Walmart and you got under there and showed them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I kind of wanted to. I know, right? But this is part of that letting go of Zen, right? Yeah. I just, I just decided I can't. This is this will be the last time I talk about it. I think is on this podcast, but yeah. I mean, I think obviously it's the type of job where there's probably minimal expertise. It's a low bar to get that job, and maybe they they have this one dude who's oh it's totally sexist to assume it's a dude because it's a car repair but it yeah was a dude. Uh, okay so let's you know say there's this one dude who's there and you know the other person who normally does the oil uh, oil changes is just not there and so he's kind of he goes under there he doesn't know what he's doing and so he just makes us some excuse for why he couldn't figure it out that's probably all it is that's I, that's what I'm thinking it must be because there is like he changes no tires but he's never changed oil so he <laughs> he doesn't even know where to look. <laughs> I just don't know how you can get a job at any place that pretended to be a, an auto servicing. Yeah, yeah, I know. Place I mean, and not know how to change oil. <laughs> I have no idea how to change oil. I've never even been under a car because I don't. It always it sounded complicated. So I just always took it in to get done back in Michigan when I had a car. And now it's been like seven or eight years since, you know, I've been car free. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I would assume definitely if I'm going to go apply for that job, I know how to do the basic things, rotate the tires, change the oil, maybe check out the spark plugs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and you also don't own like Rob's Tire and Lube Express, and so so I don't expect you to know yeah, those things. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, it's not my. But if you if you have a business called you know Walmart Tire and Lube Express or whatever they call it, then I expect that you know how to do lube and tires, <laughs> the two things in the title <laughs> right, of your business. Right. So uh, well, anyway, it's good so that you know how to day. do it though. Yeah, I did it in like twenty minutes and got. Wow. I just like decided I was going to tough it out in the cold and did it. Yeah. And how how did fine. you learn how to do that? My dad showed me. Okay. When I was younger, yeah. Yeah, you had you had one of those dads. Yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad and I got in a lot of arguments in the garage. That was kind <laughs> of a, you know, uh, the patience ran thin. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a natural at it. Uh, yeah. So you're not exactly playing Alan Watts in the garage either. No, no. Uh, the yeah, the garage is where many curse words <laughs> happen. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just natural. I can. It's kind of like that uh, a Christmas story, where yeah. he talks about like I I remember hearing my dad like make up curse words that I'd never heard before or whatever. <laughs> that was totally my experience <laughs> being with my dad in our shed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was like an artist <laughs> <laughs> with curse words. So I wanted to. I feel like we we should probably do more of these uh, if if yeah, you like it, fun. and maybe you can yeah. find a microphone next time. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah um we'll see how the audio is on this laptop too yeah yeah i believe that if we are honest with ourselves that the most fascinating problem in the world is who am i What do you mean? What do you feel when you say the word? Well, I hope you enjoyed that rather on-topic episode. Um, covered a few interesting things, so definitely come find us in the chat or um, any other place. Uh, Joshandrob.com is a great way to find all of those links. Thanks to Alex. We'll have him back again when we wrap up this two-parter in a few weeks. In the meantime, you can find more about Alex and his percussion group, Beyond This Point, at beyondthispoint.org. They also have the uh, various social media accounts with Twitter and Instagram. The Instagram looks pretty good. Um, you should be able to find those at BTP Ensemble at Instagram or at Twitter. And yeah, check out some of the video clips they have, some photos of the performances. Looks really cool. So, um, Yep, and the next episode, hopefully we'll be able to dig in a little bit more into his thoughts around music and percussion and uh, more about new music. Until next time. You are something the whole universe is doing in the same way that a wave is something that the whole ocean is doing. <laughs>